0: sometimes it's good just to give a little variation, but uh, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. It's on page 918, and it's a long passage today. Um, if you were looking at your outline and your bulletin, you probably were like, well, where are the rest of the verses that we're going to do? We are literally going to do an entire chapter this morning. Um, so I'd encourage you, we're not going to post them, uh, put them up on the screen. Uh, so I'd encourage you to follow along, even if that's not your normal uh, your normal way of doing things on a Sunday morning. Because chapter 10 of the book of Acts, you need to understand that this is one of the most in important chapters in your bible for you. And today I'm in some ways I'm just going to tell the story. And I want you to understand how central this story is to your life. There are few chapters in the bible more important for you than this chapter. And it all begins with a guy named Cornelius, as all eventful things do in life. Let me start right in verse 1 of chapter 10, because we're going to meet Cornelius, a devout soldier. Verse 1, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Cornelius is a soldier. He is part of the Roman army. We have historical evidence of the Italian cohort. It really did exist. He was a full-blown Gentile. He was far away from God. He didn't grow up going to VBS. He didn't grow up having an Awana program. He would have loved it if he did. He didn't even have children's church. Can you imagine? But this guy is going to change the world. And it begins with him, and he picks up on some of the practices of his Jewish neighbors. So he was in a city where there was a Jewish community, and he picked up on some of the things they did. So he gave alms generously. He gave money to those who needed help. And he prayed to God. He he really didn't know quite to whom he was praying, but he prayed to the God of his Jewish neighbors. He didn't participate in any of the temple worship, like we saw with the Ethiopian eunuch a couple chapters ago. But... He had some understanding that the God of his Jewish neighbors was the true God, and he feared God because of it. He understood that God was God and he was not. A man who had a lot of power. A man who was a soldier who probably had killed many people. But he knew that God was God and he was not. And because of that, that little seed of, of an attempt to know God, God revealed himself to Cornelius. Let's look at verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, which is about 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God Come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called his two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So at about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, he gets this vision of an angel. And the angel said, God saw you. God saw you pray. He saw you give alms to help the poor and God's got a job for you because God heard because God heard your attempts to know him here's what you're going to do you're going to get a guy guy named Simon not that Simon the Tanner no Simon the one called Peter make sure we got the right Simon which is always just a good idea In your life make sure you have the right Simon and I'll even tell you where he is he's at the first Simon yeah he's at that guy's house which is a house by the sea so send some men to Joppa to a house at Simon the Tanner's house to get Simon Peter very specific instructions from God. And here's the first taste that God is moving and God is doing something new with this Gentile soldier. God is preparing every detail, giving exact instructions so there's no mixing it up. so he does his obedience to the call of God to to get some men together including one who was devout the same word used to describe him apparently he had a friend that worked for him who was similarly interested in the God of the Jews and so he sends them in direct obedience to what God had said But in this next part of the story, we're going to see that not only did God prepare Cornelius, not only was God sovereign over every detail of Cornelius' side, God had to get Peter up to speed. So let's start in verse 9. We have a message, message for the messenger. Verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, so that's these, these three guys from Cornelius... So they're on their way. So God's got to get to work. Peter went up on the housetop at about the sixth hour, which is about noon, to pray. So Peter's going up. You know, no air conditioning back then. So a lot of times to get a breeze, you go on your roof to sit and at least get some wind going because it's hot there. And of course, since it was noon, he became hungry. So Peter, man after my own heart here. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. So Cornelius, Cornelius has a vision. Peter is now going to have his own vision. He fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. So picture this giant picnic cloth. Even if you want to picture, like, the the red and white one, you know, just, just coming down. I always picture a picnic cloth. You'll see why in a second, okay? In it, in this sheet that was descending, were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. So just picture this giant picnic sheet, picnic blanket, and there's covered with animals, all types of animals, even reptiles and birds. And there came a voice to him Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So here comes this giant picnic blanket full of animals. Peter's hungry already. And God says to him, You see all those animals? Stand up, kill one of them, and barbecue it. What's the problem? Here's the problem. Verse 14. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So this picnic blanket is filled with non-kosher animals. These are animals that the Jews were not allowed to kill and eat. But here God is saying You see all those animals? Barbecue them and eat them. So Peter says, no, I I, I won't, because I've never done that. I've never broken the kosher laws. Verse 15, And a voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So again, you got a sheet full of unclean animals. God says, kill them and eat them. Peter says, no. God says, don't call unclean what I have made clean. This would have confused Peter so much. It is going against everything he grew up with. I mean, he lived his entire life obeying the kosher laws. Imagine your entire life eating a certain way for decades. And then you just expect a change. He grew up with a mom and a dad telling him, we don't eat those things, we only eat these things. Because God said. But here God is saying, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And, and it's, it, it's turning Peter's whole life upside down. Because he has lived a certain way his whole life. And God is asking him to change. I mean, let's just think about how hard change is, just in general. But God is calling for change in Peter's life. And in verse 17, we read this Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. Okay, just, again, just just think of the story. So Peter is up wondering why God told him to eat these animals. And the narrator, Luke, tells us, and behold, or hey, it just happened that as he's thinking about what just happened, the men that we heard about earlier are are coming. Luke's telling us they're connected. Peter has no idea what's going on, but, but we know that it's no coincidence that right after this vision about unclean animals, these Gentiles show up. I love in verse 17... Now Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, and behold, it's like, and there they were. And again, every time you see coincidence in the Bible, think the opposite. Because there are no coincidences with God. And it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek move by the biblical author. And oh, it just happened that these guys came right after Peter heard the vision. Right. Right. See the sovereignty of God in every step of what is going on in this story. That it's not a coincidence that right after this vision, these three guys show up. It's exactly the reason. The reason he had that vision is because of these three Gentiles. Verse 19, it says, And while Peter was pondering the vision, Because, again, he still has no idea what's going on. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Again, picture yourself in Peter's shoes. You've just seen a vision that goes against everything you've been brought up with, and now three Gentiles are looking for you. And they're from... They're from a commanding officer of the Roman army. (laughs) What in the world is going on? And so the Holy Spirit, because God is in control of everything that happens, makes sure Peter doesn't screw it up. And And he's saying to Peter, these three guys, don't worry about it. Go with them without asking any questions. These three Gentile soldiers who just showed up looking for you. (laughs) It's fine. Go. Even though you've been taught from a young age to have nothing to do with Gentiles, you've been taught from a young age to not even go into their houses. The Spirit of God is saying, go without asking any questions with these people you've been taught to have nothing to do with. God knew Peter was confused. And God gave Peter, through his Spirit, everything he needed to do what God had called him to do. And the response That God was calling from Peter was a simple obedience to what God had said. There's a certain simplicity to God's command, even though it is surrounded by confusion, even though it might be surrounded by fear that here are these three guys, I don't know who, just all of a sudden are asking for me. But there's a simplicity in that God says, Go with them and this, there's a certain simplicity in the obedience of saying i will go with you. And again, how often when when God speaks is it is it honestly just that simple? Yeah, it's hard, but what we're called to do is simple. And Peter responds with obedience. Look at verse 21. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? He trusts God enough that he's ready to go with them even though he has no idea what they want. Honestly, they could be there to take him to jail. I mean, they're Roman soldiers. They're not exactly nice people. But he trusts God enough to say, hey, what do you guys want? (laughs) verse 22 and they said Cornelius a centurion a an upright and god-fearing man who is spoke who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say so he that's Peter invited them to be his guests what do you want Well, an angel told our boss, Cornelius, to come and get you, to bring you back, and we're supposed to listen to you. (laughs) Again, you see God in control of this entire situation. (laughs) And again, Peter has a choice. He can run away. He can say, oh, you said Simon, Peter... Oh, I'm Simon Peter. -er. Different guy, he's down the street. But he doesn't. He does something that's not It's not too unexpected, but it's a step. He invites them in, he invites these Gentiles in, these non Jewish people, into the house where he's staying and invites them in as his guests. Because he knows that God has, has called him to serve those people. He doesn't, he doesn't really know how yet. He's still figuring that out. But God said, go with those people. So he's, he's, he is trusting God enough to invite them in as his guests. And the rest of verse 23, we see that the next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So again, these three Gentile Roman soldiers show up, people he's been told that don't have anything to do with them, they'll make you unclean, because they don't follow our laws. And he even goes with them. He believes their story. Again, we, I think we need to understand that that's not a given. You know, if three soldiers come up to me at my house and like, hey, you should come with us in our van we've got over there. I mean, are you really just gonna jump in the van? But he goes because he trusts God and he knows that this is what God wants him to do. So verse 24, and on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So again, here's, here's the plan: Cornelius is going to go get Peter, right? That's all Peter knows. But when he gets there, like Cornelius has like rounded up this group of people into his house, his friends, is, so now Peter's not just talking to Cornelius. If that weren't bad enough, he's talking to a whole house full of Gentiles. And he's definitely in the minority. Now he brings his friends, and that's, a, that's the grace of God that, that, that they come with him, that he at least had some, some relational connection. And he wasn't just on his own. But he's, he's talking to a crowd now. Verse 25, When Peter entered... Again, this was a huge step for Peter. Peter grew up his whole life saying, don't even go into their houses. Do not enter the house of someone who's a Gentile. Don't even go in there. And because he trusts God, because he knows that this is what God has called him to do, he takes that first step into the house. Probably, he was probably a mess. Going against his whole upbringing, going into a place he doesn't know with people he doesn't know who are soldiers, by the way, who have swords and spears and knives. And he walks in. And Cornelius walks up to him. Again, this guy oversees a 100 soldiers He's an officer in the Roman army, which, by the way, was not a very nice army. They were really good at being really violent. And here this soldier comes up. And again, if you're Peter, you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen? And one of the most amazing things happens. (laughs) Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. (laughs) Now, because Peter is thinking, he puts an end to that really quick. Look at verse 26. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. He's like, I'm not the one to worship. I know that an angel told you to come and get me, but, but do not mistake me for God. I'm not some divine man that you should worship me. Verse 27, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. Again, God has brought him into the house full of unbelievers. But not only are they unbelievers, But they were a people with which Peter was trained to discriminate against from a young age. Don't even enter their houses. You don't associate with Gentiles. You just don't do that. And that's exactly what Peter first says out of his mouth. (laughs) Look at verse 28. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. Now talk about that of an opening line. You're surrounded by people that you're not supposed to associate with and the first thing you say is, hey guys, you know I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm not even supposed to associate with you guys. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. For when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. He changed his life because God spoke. He said, it is unlawful for me to be here, but God called me here. God told me to come and to to not live that life anymore. To not think of people as unclean anymore. God has spoke. Why am I here? (laughs) Verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa... And as for Simon, who is called Peter, he is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So Cornelius relates to Peter. Again, we know about the vision, but Peter doesn't know about the vision. Peter knows God gave him a vision, and now he's seeing that he gave Cornelius a vision. And again, in both of their lives, we see God sovereignly bringing them together. That God is sovereignly orchestrating all of the details so that Peter can speak to a bunch of Gentiles. Again, the details are included by Cornelius. That God told him, okay, which Simon? There's two of them. And where is the house? So you don't mess it up. And because he had this, verse 33, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. We are ready to listen to you because we know that you are a messenger of God. And so we're going to listen to you you like that. Again, do you see how God has just created this perfect storm of circumstances and details so that this full room of unbelieving Gentiles can hear the gospel of Jesus? And he even, he even prepared their hearts to listen. Like they know that Peter is supposed to talk and they're supposed to Listen. So, verse 40, 34, Peter opened his mouth. <laughs> Again, another small but giant move for Peter. He walked through the door in faith, and trusting the God who sent him and the Spirit who empowers him, he simply opens his mouth. Again, there's a certain simplicity to obedience. To walk in the door. To speak. Things we do all the time. But here it has a gospel purpose. Again, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us, who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter shares the gospel as he had many times before. But the difference this time is he's now understanding the picnic blanket. He's understanding that this message isn't just for his Jewish countrymen. He's understanding what it means when God says, do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. He's understanding about the character of God in that our God shows no partiality. Verse 34, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. What does that mean? It means that in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Anyone from any nation. But what does it mean to do right? What does it mean to be acceptable to God? Verse 43. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Anyone from any country, from any background, with any skin color, anyone who believes in Jesus is acceptable to God. It's not just for the Jews. This message is even for the unclean Gentiles. But the big question is, how are they going to respond to this? How are they going to respond to this command to believe in the Jewish Messiah, the Jewish Savior who was sent by God? That that God has gathered them and orchestrated all these details. How are they going to respond to the message? Look at verse 44. And while Peter was saying these things, "'The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. "'And the believers from among the circumcised "'who had come with Peter were amazed "'because the gift of the Holy Spirit "'was poured out even on Gentiles. "'For they were hearing them speaking in tongues "'and extolling God. "'Then Peter declared, "'Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people?' who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. So while Peter is speaking, the Holy Spirit comes upon Gentiles. That this, this sign that they have repented and believed in Jesus Christ. Because all believers are given the gift of the Spirit. And so when you see the Spirit come on people, you know that that they have believed in Jesus, just like Peter said. But look at verse 45. And believers from among the circumcised, that is Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were amazed. Peter was perplexed. Now these Jewish Christians are amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. They, they can't, they almost can't believe that God would save these people. <laughs> and they're amazed, and their their worlds are turned upside down because God has. These people who are so far from God have been brought near, and they can't believe it. The Gentiles are believing in Jesus. Jesus the last people in the world who you think would believe in Jesus are. And it's obvious because, like the apostles, there's there's some parallels to the the description of Pentecost. And just as those original disciples manifested the Spirit by speaking in tongues, so too even the Gentiles. And And so the Christians, the Jewish Christians, have to say... Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They have the same Spirit. We, We have to let them in. We don't understand it. And that's the next couple chapters of how do we understand this, that God would save these people? But we have to believe it because he has. But the clear message, the reason that this chapter changes everything in your life is because this chapter makes crystal clear that all people can believe the gospel. The message of the gospel is for all people. Regardless of background, regardless of race or language, the gospel is for all people. And there's no denying it. Let me close here with two applications of this story. Why is it important that the gospel is for all people? Why is that important to your life? Number one is this. You are included in all people. And to my knowledge... Please don't come correct me after the service if I'm wrong. But to my knowledge, we're all Gentiles. And when you put yourself as a Gentile in this story, guess what you get to read? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. (laughs) That's us. We're the, really, even those guys, God? A little humbling, but that's a good thing. But if, if, but this message is for you because you're one of the all people, and so like Peter, let me let me testify to you that God did send His Son to die for you. That He was born on this world. That He lived on earth and experienced everything you've experienced. And he was put to death on a cross. And he died so you wouldn't have to. He died to pay the punishment of your sin and the punishment of my sin. But death wasn't the end. God raised him up on Easter. And so that those who believe from all people including you, can be forgiven of your sins, can have the hope of eternal life. Even you, even you sad bunch of Gentiles, (laughs) that God takes even the farthest people from him and allows them to hear the message of the gospel and to believe and to be forgiven. And so if you've never believed that, why don't you be like Cornelius today and hear the truth and believe the truth? And secondly, secondly, Again, if, if the gospel message is for all people, then the message needs to be shared with all people. Right? If, if Jesus is Lord of all, if Jesus offers salvation to all people, then all people need to hear about it. Regardless of what we think of them. Regardless of any prejudice or discrimination we might have in our hearts even the farthest people where, where if they do come to Christ, we are shocked. And you know who you just thought of. Because <laughs> again, the Jewish Christians were amazed that God had even saved a bunch of dirty Gentiles. But the gospel's for them. But let me make it a little more personal. Personal. In the story of Cornelius, we see that God ordained every single detail so that Cornelius could hear the gospel. And you know what that means? Is that God did that for you when you believed the gospel. That God ordained circumstances and brought people sovereignly into your life so that you could hear and believe. In that way, don't think you're anything different than Cornelius. And you should be humbled and grateful that God did orchestrate the circumstances by which you could hear the gospel. And so the question for you then is are you willing to play your part in God orchestrating those circumstances and details for somebody else? Are you willing to walk in that door just as someone did for you? Are you willing to open your mouth just like someone did for you? Are you willing to be obedient like Peter was, even though he was scared, even though he was nervous? He did what God called him to do. And are we ready to do, each one of us, Are we ready to play our part in the God-orchestrated circumstances of another? Because the gospel is for all people. Because God does not show partiality, you can believe the good news. Because God does not show partiality, we are called to share the good news with all people. Let's pray. Father God, that you would enlighten our hearts to the truth of Acts chapter 10. That we would understand that we can be forgiven of sins because your Son is the Savior of all people and that anyone who believes in Him can find forgiveness And eternal life. And that we would understand that we were once far away from you. And that you ordained the circumstances by which we heard the gospel. And God, that we would be obedient to do our part in what you've called us to do so that someone else can hear the gospel. God, we thank you for your great act of grace. In, in providing the circumstances for our salvation. God, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for those who have not heard the gospel and that we would trust you and the spirit by which you empower us to share the gospel with all people and play our part in what you have planned. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. stand together.